Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Welcome to Montana's Peer Network Recovery Talks podcast. I'm Jim Haney. And I'm Leah Wetzel. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Recovery Talks. Today, Leah and I are going to be chatting about MPN's role with state-funded drop-in centers. Yes, it's been it's been a journey being a part of the process of these projects, supporting them, um, and really learning about them and seeing the wonderful outcomes that come from these peer-based recovery-oriented projects. Yeah. You're you're coming up on two years now. You've been working working with the drop-in centers, and that's a long that's a long time. That's a that's a long time. It was just, yeah, I think January 2021, the state funded for the, this, that was the second time ever that they funded drop-in centers. And that history, the first time goes back to, that's how I got started in working with drop-in centers, running a drop-in center, all that stuff. That goes back to 2008. So that was the the 2007 legislature allocated the money and the drop-in center. That's how I got started as a peer supporter. The mental health center got one of the grants and opened up. It was in Livingston. They were hiring and I got hired on and I got to start that. That was the peer solutions drop-in center in Livingston. And I did that for three years. I mean, you're almost, you're, you're just about at two, two years working with them. And <clears throat> I was there for three years and then I went and started MPN. But yeah, back then that was a new, that was totally new for the state of Montana. That was a new concept and they had allocated some money, <clears throat> excuse me, and said, uh, we want to fund these drop-in centers, these community-based programs where people can come and it's free and they don't have to fill out paperwork and they can get support and go start them. Like, that's kind of what they said to us, like, wow. go start these programs, you know. I, I can remember sitting down at my desk the first day and there was like, it was, I had a computer because I was at the mental health center, but that was it. There was like a, like a box of brochures from nonprofits in the community, you know, but there was no manual, there was no guide, there was no instructions, there was no anything. And I think how different it is today, Leah, and these drop-in centers today, and they have you dedicated to working with them, and they have Montana's peer network, and even the state, the state is so much more educated on drop-in centers. Back then, it was just like, here's the money and go figure it out. You know, like you were, you were just kind of, you were just kind of on your own. And, and I'll tell you that that's, that led to part of why they all closed down. 
the original ones, like the one that I started, I think it closed in 2016. So it made it like seven years, but they all closed. Not one of them still going, right? Yeah, the, the, the Helena, <clears throat> Helena Drop-In Center, which is still going today. And they have closed, I think four different times in that time period, right? So it's not really the same as it was back then because right. they, they've had to close numerous times. And they've somehow, you know, somehow somebody's come along and said, okay, I'll, I'll get it going, you know, and then, then it starts up again and it kind of runs. And so, yeah, so I think in 2020, when, when, you know, we were doing advocacy, MPN was doing advocacy, we were thinking about, hey, we want to bring drop-in centers back. We want the state to provide that base funding because that's key you know, the base funding to cover the rent and the insurance and some staffing and, you know, the basic right. kind of stuff, because that's hard to go get, you know, it's hard to go get a hundred thousand dollars to open up a program and then keep getting it year after year. So in the advocacy piece, so it's like, Hey, we want to bring these back. What does this look like? And we started these negotiations. And so I think it was January, 2021, the state funded seven. And then you started in 2021, what, when did you, you were in the summertime, right? You came on. Yep. I came on, um, I believe it was August 20th. Okay. So you came on in the summer yeah. and then, and then the state did another round of funding in September or October and they funded like six more. So by the end of 2021, there were 13 drop-in centers. If I'm, if I'm remembering that right. That yeah. Sound. Yes, we were working with 13 of them. It was me, you, and Bill. Mm -hmm. And the next set had started about, a, I want to say like a month or six weeks after I started. Mm -hmm. Because I remember we went through um, mission, vision, strategic planning, and really yeah. our piece in it. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a wonderful feeling to be on that Zoom call, that networking call. And really, I want to like, I want to speak on your work because, yes, it's been wonderful to be able to support these drop-in centers, but I've been led by you, who's very passionate about this work and helping build standards. So there is a model, there is a guide yeah. There are standards yeah. that we got to live up to because I wasn't there when the state was like, we see there's a need, here's money, figure yeah. it out. Mm -hmm. I've been here since the state's like very open-minded, tra trauma-informed, mm -hmm. you know, having that outlook on things and um, very open. And I didn't realize like how many contracts they really watch over. So us being the technical assistants and trainers, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we really help with being able to kind of be that liaison piece too. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. That was that was part of that advocacy, you know, in 2020, I think there were, um, there were new people at the state working, you know, new, new individuals. There were people who were familiar with drop-in centers. So they brought that experience and then our advocacy and, and, and my pitch to them was, look, 
you, you funded a program that I started that was very successful for the three years I was there. I can't speak to it after that. Was very successful, always a full house. Seven years later, it's gone. All the work is gone. All the community service is gone. The whole thing, it's just gone, just poof. And you think about, you know, if you're funding a program and you've invested half a million dollars into something, and then it's gone. Hmm. Is there a different way for us to do this? And what I proposed to him was, could you give us a contract, as you said, like as a technical assistance, training, education, to help these drop-in centers that they were going to fund, you know, in 2021, learn from, from somebody with experience, right? We, we didn't know you yet, Leah, right? Like we didn't have you on board, but it was like, you know, like we're going to show them how to create a business model, have a mission, have a vision you're going to work towards, have a healthy place where people can come to, have well-trained staff who are there and educated, and then network them all together in a monthly meeting because that we never had back in the day. We never had that. We tried. There were six of us six different programs. And we tried and we I think we had two meetings. And I think only four of the six showed up. Like there were some who didn't even come to the meeting, like we went to Helena, and we show up and then some of them aren't even there. We didn't even know each other. Um, right. There were towns who had drop in centers, and there was no connection to the other places. And there were no standards. So what they were doing in one town compared to what I was doing compared to, you know, Bozeman or whatever, it was all different. It looked different. It was like, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with meeting the needs of your community, but there were no Native American drop-in centers back then, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it was like, we weren't really representing the state very well. They were only choosing certain, you know, there are only certain towns. And so this was all part of the advocacy to say, hey, like, we need to get some of these drop-in centers distributed, you know, on tribal lands and not just all in the big cities. And then we'll give them some guidance and we'll check in with them. And, you know, and then we'll give you these updates. And when I say give you, meaning the state, you know, the funder, we'll give you yeah. these updates and we'll, we'll kind of help you, help you along to figure out who you're going to keep funding and who you're not going to keep funding. Right. And I made, I told them from the beginning, I said, my, my goal would be to have 50 drop-in centers across the state someday. Now it might take 10 years or 15 years or 20 years to get there. But if you kept funding a few every year or every other year, and we build these strong programs, they will last. Yes. In, and they save the, the taxpayers money. Yes. There's support right there. Yeah. Um, we're, yeah. we're doing the education piece. And with it being the seven years, it gives them time to find multiple ways of sustainability. Yes, yes, yes. Like that, like, you know, right? Every month we do the monthly meeting and you've done a great job, you know, taking this over, right? In the beginning, it was like, okay, Leah, just follow the lead, you know, just learn, you know, just learn, 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 right? And then, and then you know, there comes a day, it's like, okay, Leah, it's yours now. Now you you run with it, you know? The needs are different. If you're two years down the road with your program, the needs are different than 
the state's about to put out another RFP, there's going to be more. Right. The needs of the new ones are way different than the ones of the programs who've been running for two years. And, yeah. Right. And so meeting with them where they are and then and then the idea of having these standards, you know, do you want to talk about that in some of your um, some of your work around the standards with them? Sure. Well, we really took you, I, my coworkers and my boss really took a look at where each drop-in center was, um, you know, along, you know, how well are they doing in all these categories within the framework of the drop-in centers. And we really put them into different groups and looked at the state. We have rural, we have tribal, we have urban, and we have frontier. Mm -hmm. And so really looking at the different needs in those specific areas and being able to group them in those areas, we're able to work on certain work further in their vision, work further in their strategic planning. Maybe they need to work further in their policies and procedures, mm -hmm. but being able to see, okay. And I think you took, you took the group that had been doing this for a while that was doing mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And you really got, it was like getting a consumer based mm -hmm. voice. Yeah. Hearing from the actual community, the people doing the work, like what has been helpful. Mm -hmm. And you built a survey out of that, right? A questionnaire. Questionnaire, yeah, yeah. Built a questionnaire. And from that questionnaire, we were able to build an action plan standards mm -hmm. and really be able to see where they're at mm -hmm. in their journey of their drop-in center, see where they need to grow, see um, maybe we need to work on uh, mentorship with their peer support. Maybe they need support in finding further sustainability, looking to the future past mm -hmm. the seven years of the drop-in center funding mm -hmm. from the state, mm -hmm. um, those sorts of things. And so yeah. that's worked very well. I think we did that, that first six weeks, I looked, or six weeks, six months, I looked. And so the rating score was like one, two, three, or non-acclimable because mm -hmm. some, some, because of the way their community said mm -hmm. it is not acclimable. Mm -hmm. um, some may be collaborating with a bigger organization or another mm -hmm. agency that mm -hmm. um, provides certain things where they don't provide that there at their drop-in center. But we were able to get those ones and twos to twos and threes. That's great. Yep. And so we have eight of them now. We have eight drop-in centers now. And so Jim and I, because this funding comes from SAMHSA and it goes to the state and then the state decides how they're going to disperse it and who helps mm -hmm. them decide that is the Behavioral Health Advisory Council. Mm -hmm. And so Jim and I proposed that we be the first state mm -hmm. um, to have 
a drop-in center on every tribal area because our because our culture here is is very tribal we have 12 tribes right and when i joined npn jim was already on i'll never forget my interview a lot of what i would share about my passions and my focuses and what i'd like to see really aligned with this work and with some of the things that jim was already doing like gifting the tribal colleges the peer, ps 101 the peer support mm -hmm. training mm -hmm. um and so this kind of further supports that because they have trained peer support and that's what these drop-in centers are they're peer-based recovery owner oriented um behavioral health drop-in centers mm -hmm. and so that's a lot of our outreach has been just in the past few years or mm -hmm. few years sorry few months mm -hmm. um and the state had me connect with stephanie iron shooter who invited me to a couple really good uh networking meetings mm -hmm. um and so I was able to get the word out there about this, mm -hmm. these projects and about the mm -hmm. requests for proposals coming out mm -hmm. soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that should be coming out. <clears throat> that should be coming out anytime. So we could have another five, six, seven, something like that drop in centers to get back to the 13 because 2021, right? We funded the state funded seven, then they funded six, it got us to 13. But some didn't make it. Some some didn't make it along the way. And so we're at eight. And so now if we can get back to the 13, you know, again, MPN's goal would be to have every year, every other year fund, fund another group of them, fund another group of them. Because you begin creating this knowledge as people are running them for a you know, two years, three years, you know, their knowledge is growing and then they can help mentor the other ones. And that's what that monthly call is about, which is getting them together and sharing their ideas and their concepts. Because honestly, some, some of the places, just like the mental health center that applied, you know, that I went to work for in 2008, they had no idea what they were getting into. They, they just put in a proposal and just got the money, you know? And so then I can remember in my interview for that job, 2008, and I asked him, so in your vision, what's a drop-in center? And their answer to me was, well, we're really not sure. It could be anything you want. I mean, there was no, there was no, you know, cause there was no standards. There was no model. There was no Binder structure. to, yeah, no structure, no strategic plan. And so for somebody like me, that was great because it allowed me to look at, I looked at other states and I got in touch with other drop-in centers to get, you know, right, what are they kind of doing? And then I could bring some of those over. But I can tell you across the state of Montana, those original ones, I mean, they were all over the place. I mean, they were just... There was just nothing. And, and there was never any focus on, we had no technical assistance. There was no emphasis on training. 
and there was no um, there was no real support, you know, for what we were doing. And so now, that's the role we get to play. MPN gets to play is we get to so help support these places, and they can run it any way they want, right? Like you're not telling them, Leah, like here do this or do that. It's like they're going to make their own decisions. Yep. And then you have this evaluation they take, they score themselves and they score it. We're not scoring them. They're scoring themselves. They're, they're, they're looking at themselves and saying, well, here's the areas we need to improve on. Here's the areas we're doing great in, you know, and that's empowering to people, you know, to, to be able to do that. And these are the expectations also the funders putting out too, is that they expect you to be a two or a three, not a one with the standards, right? Right. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see with the new ones that get funded, you know, when they take their, you know, do their score and we get to kind of see and help them do their mission statement and their vision for the program. Yeah. Right. And it's not going to be perfect, but I feel like each kind of generation of this legacy mm-hmm. of dropping centers in our state mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. each generation gets stronger and stronger mm-hmm. um of course there's going to be some that are going to struggle mm-hmm. due to maybe circumstances in their area or mm-hmm. some just not ready yet yeah but um with these standards already in place with the state giving them framework of what it is what it's supposed to look like um and i tell you what that networking call it's so helpful and Mm -hmm. it is very empowering because they're able to share this is like this is my success and these are some of my struggles and support one another yeah 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 yeah, it's interesting. I think back over the two years, you know, a lot of them have had staff change, right? A lot of them have had new new staff come in. Um, <clears throat> and I think you're right. I think it gets a little better each time. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be exciting to see, you know, this summer here when the RFP comes out and then they'll, they'll start in the fall, the new drop-in centers will open up and add them into the mix of the existing ones. And, you know, MPN, right, in the meantime, for the last year, we've been going around talking to all these communities across the state. (laughs) You've been doing a ton of it, I know. Um, But, you know, talking to all these communities saying, hey, do you know that there's an opportunity here? Like, there's something here for you if you're interested. Yeah. Yeah, and that's me too. Um, Daniel and I, um, we had our last one like mm-hmm. meeting because, like you said, we'll we'll spread the word, get the education out there, get the knowledge mm-hmm. out there to communities, and then one by one they're reaching out, mm-hmm. and um, you know, with Daniel taking over Jamie's role, like moving mm-hmm. into that spot, is about the same time that you were like go, go and go and do your thing. And so it was him and I, and we're like, all right, let's, 
let's do it like this. And so we yeah. gave everybody a chance to meet with yeah. us. And uh, I'd say we had at least 22, 24 of those meetings. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. That's incredible, Leah, because when, when I think back to January 2021, seven, there were seven applicants and all seven got funded. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There oh, were no I extras. didn't know that. There, there were no extras. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. in, two, in two years of building all this, you know, the drop-in centers and all the support and education, 20, whatever, 22, 24 more communities have said, yeah, I would like to do this. You know, like that's awesome. And that paves the way. That's how you get to 50 drop-in centers. That's right. Yeah. Right. By, you know, and maybe you don't get it this time, but next year we'll, there'll be some more money and they'll, you know what I mean? And then you put in and then, you know, yep. Competition makes everybody a little better. There's going to be some really tough proposals this year because there's some really good organizations that are going to put in top-notch proposals. And that's good. That's a good thing. Right. Yeah. Some very good grant writers. Yeah. Yeah. Not just like everybody who puts in for it gets it, you know, like, you know, there's going to be some competition. The scorers this time when they get scored, you know, that's going to play a critical role because there's going to be more that don't get funded than get funded. Yeah. Because, yeah. Five to six of them can't fund 22 to 24 of them. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, no, I think it's a great thing. And I, I'm a big believer in drop-in centers and you have experience too with drop-in centers, right? In your recovery journey. Yeah. Yep. I do. Um, and my community didn't really even call it a drop-in center then. Mm. Well, actually I had my first interactions with the drop-in center is I went to a drop-in center to get peer support mm-hmm. when I found recovery. Mm-hmm. When I got out of Riverside and I got put in treatment court, Mm -hmm. they had uh, peer support there. Mm -hmm. And so I had some really amazing individuals in my life and I could go somewhere uh, because I was dealing with a lot of like complex trauma Mm -hmm. and trying to weed out like Mm -hmm. reality, anxiety and these traumas because it was Mm -hmm. so recent. Mm-hmm. And so I had a really safe space to go and I didn't need to talk about it if I didn't want to, but I had somewhere mm-hmm. to go and mm-hmm. just be a positive environment. You know, we're watching movies, having uh, meetings, mm-hmm. sitting there talking about, you know, what's going on. And, mm-hmm. and then when the sober life came about, mm-hmm. I was just about grad I was getting close to graduating treatment court and you know at the end of treatment court I had been volunteering for about four years four years gosh I keep getting my months and years mixed up (laughs) about four months at a behavioral health agency and Thomas and Dean picked me up from there and said hey let's build a, a leadership committee 
and we want to hear the voice of the peers in the community. Mm-hmm. And we started doing events, groups. And so I really got to be a part of the beginning of that. And some of those things are still going on, like some of the, the women's empowerment event. That's mm-hmm. like an annual thing now. Yeah. Um, and they're still doing the Wellbriety group. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I got to be a part of that kind of when they started their baseline and structure of things. That's great. <clears throat> yeah, that's great. I mean, it's, um, it really is. I mean, you said this earlier, it's a very cost-effective um, program for the state to fund, and it can help an unlimited amount of people. You know, there, there, there really is no cap on it. And people can come to a safe place, get around other peers, other people in recovery, and they can learn and they can share and they can network and get new skills. And I mean, we used to do all kinds of cool stuff in our drop-in center. I mean, I used to take people on three-day outings into Yellowstone Park, these these recovery, there were these recovery trips. Wow. And, you know, do support groups. We'd be out in Lamar Valley doing a, a peer support group, you know, and there's bison walking, heard a bison walking by, you know, 500 bison, you know, and elk and, you know, black bears and coyotes. And, you know, you're right there, you're in nature, you're connected to the earth, we're sitting on the ground, we're camping in tents and, you know, and then, and then we would do, um, you know, in the afternoons, we would do like, we, you know, we'd give people a choice, you could do uh, an art group, or you could do a hike, you know? So some people would choose one, you know? And so we had these art easels and stuff and we'd set up by a waterfall or, you know, some nice majestic mountain scene or whatever, you know, and people could paint and do the groups and then other people would go, you know, and and being outside and connecting to the earth, the energy of all that, the sunshine, the vitamin D. I I mean, it was, it's transformative to people, you know, it's really transformative. Now we were in Livingston, so we were right there, you know, we were an hour from the gate. So uh, we would do stuff like that. And we had, we had bicycles, we had a bicycle program, eight, we had eight bicycles and you could check out, and these were brand new bikes. We got, you know, the community involved and we were able to buy them at cost and, uh, you know, people could check out bikes. We would do group bike rides and we would ride and then get to our destination and do a support group, you know, and then, and then ride, ride back. So again, you're, you're doing the support piece, but instead of being in the building, you're out getting the exercise, sunshine, you know, all that stuff. And there were people, I mean, we had people who were like 70 years old getting on a bicycle who are like, I haven't rode a bike in 30 years, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. right, like getting people moving, you know, getting people, recovery doesn't just happen in four walls, you know, right. it doesn't just, right? That's life changing. Yeah, yeah, we did all kinds of stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, because the way society is, it's just like, go, 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 constant, where, you know, yeah. come home, yeah. cook, the whole yeah. routine. Yeah. And to take people out of that for a few days, wasn't yeah. it you that said it takes three days? Yeah, yeah. There's something called the three-day effect with nature. Yeah, if you can get three days out into nature, that's about how long. And they, they have measurable 
improvement in their physiology, their, their blood pressure, blood sugar, all decreases spending three days outside, camping, sleeping on the ground, sitting on the ground, touching the trees, the grass, water, you know, connected to the earth, not in a building in it. Like now we're sitting here in these nice chairs and, you know, right. But we're not really connected to the earth. We're connected to the building, you know, right. which is connected to the earth. That's a big difference than putting one foot in front of another and doing a hike. And we need you know, to do that. We need know. to do a annual, maybe collaborate with, with the drop-in centers, centers <laughs> and do an outing. That was a neat, that was a neat experience doing, doing something like that. But yeah, and, and we did a lot of, you know, we did a lot of indoor stuff in the winter. We did open mic nights and uh, people would Friday night, you know, play music. We had a songwriters group, you know, people would come and play music. Um, comedians, we had, we had people really? who were wannabe comedians who wanted, <laughs> and they would tell jokes. It was hilarious. I mean, it was really, it was really funny. In fact, we got the local music teacher, the local guitar teacher to come. He would come and he would bring his students and they would come to the open mic and they would um, showcase, you know, maybe a song they just learned or something. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. And, and so that was really cool. And we had a local musician. She was kind of popular in the area at the time. And she would come, she ran the songwriters group and, you know, they were all, they were all recovery songs. They were songs, you know, right. And um, yeah. And it was things for people to do sober things for people to do a place to go on a Friday night, the middle of January, you know. And sounds like a lot of collaborating and like really oh, yeah. having community yeah. buy-in. Oh yeah. 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 It doesn't yeah. cost that much. Yeah, no, 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 it doesn't. I mean, we would do Sundays was art, was all around art and stuff. We would have people come in who were in recovery, teach uh, an art class on charcoal or watercolors or whatever. And so we would buy supplies, you know, I would go to the art supply store and buy a bunch of, you know, supplies. And so then whoever showed up to the group that, you know, they could try it out right there. And it was all people in recovery, you know, it was all recovery oriented. People would volunteer their time and come in and, and then we would give back, you know, to the community by volunteering. So up and yeah, we did a, adopt a highway. We adopted, you know, a three mile stretch of highway between Livingston and Yellowstone Park, go clean up the highway a couple times a year. We would, we would paint um, in town where graffiti, you know, kids paint stuff, graffiti. So we'd go to the paint store, they would give us all this paint and brushes and all that. And we would whitewash the, the graffiti. And then we'd have artists come in and paint murals across the, wow. across the graffiti. Yeah, and then we would volunteer at the soup, the soup kitchen once a month and go cook meals for people. And yeah, we were always doing, I mean, I think that's important when you're running a drop-in center. I think that you have to be connected to the community for sustainability, but you can't just take, you can't just take all the time. You have to give back, you know, you yes. have to go out into the community and say, okay, this uh, 
you know, this building has graffiti all over it, get permission, you know, and we'd whitewash it. And then you find these artists who would come in and paint these beautiful murals, you know, like this giant canvas on this wall that they loved it. And, um, and some of those people were in recovery, you know, and so you can create those kinds of opportunities. And if you're actually connected to the community, those opportunities kind of find you because, yes, you know, like when we went to the paint store and we're like, hey, this is what we're doing. They're like, oh, well, we have this whole closet full of mistake paints, you know, like you can have the whole closet, you know, and we had gallons and gallons of pretty much any color. So you go, you're going to paint this giant side of a building, you know, you lay all the stuff out. I mean, you got 50 different colors, you know, wow. here you go. You don't have to go buy anything, you know, like here it is. And yeah, I mean, it was it was neat. We did this one, <clears throat> the paint project was really cool. So there's a walking, there's an underground walking bridge for the railroad tracks in Livingston. You People walk under the railroad tracks. So there's these pillars. They were filled with graffiti. So we whitewashed them all. And then we gave an artist each pillar. So there were all these different canvases, you know, it was like, um, maybe six or seven feet tall by four feet wide, these concrete pillars. And so they were whitewashed. And then it was so neat to see what people did on each of the pillars, you know, different scenes. And there's, I don't know, a dozen of them or something, you know. Are they still up? Um, you know, what happened was another nonprofit took over that project and they do the murals. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it went beyond just the years we were there, you know, they because eventually the murals, yeah, eventually the murals get graffitied over too, you know, right? Like some other company said, hey, you know, and I can't remember who it was. They had a bunch of youth projects going and they said, oh, we could do a thing. And they did it and they did redid the murals, you know? Yeah, he started something. Yeah, and I think that's the key when you're building these community-based drop-in centers, you have to get connected and you can't just take you've got to do that giving back piece because you've got to balance it out you know right. you can't just always ask for oh we need money for this or we need money for that but you go back into the community and you say we can do that you know and that's why we want them like on the LAC and we want them on these yeah involved with the root of the community yes and I mean, especially after COVID, not just the behavioral health field, but society, we're very siloed. And so there could be all these different things going on or all these different resources in your community and you don't yeah, know. Exactly. Drop-in center can be the root yeah. of all that collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. And we're setting a good example for the people that are coming in and receiving services. We're bringing yeah. them with us to volunteer yeah, 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 yeah. I think anytime you could find opportunities to be involved with the community, you're you're really building your program, the exposure. Um, I was just thinking we we used to do in July, we used to sponsor the farmers market one week and set up a booth. <clears throat> we would fold these origami, um, these doves. It's a symbol of uh, suicide prevention. 
So oh. all year we fold these origami. Everybody learned how to do origami. We bought these books, got all this origami paper. <clears throat> Everybody learns how to fold these little these little doves, you know, and then and then we put them on these strings and um, we have a booth and we're talking about mental health and substance use recovery and all that. People come up and then if they donate to the program, they get one of these origami with the string and it's like an ornament, like you could put it on your tree or whatever, you know? And so we used to do that and, <clears throat> you know, just doing one far farmer's market you're exposed, you're getting like, you know, maybe a thousand people show up to that farmer's market. So you're getting exposure. Right. And you're in the community. That's a big community event. You know, people come and, you know, hang out and socialize and buy vegetables and handmade crafts. And then here we're talking about mental health and, hey, this is part of the community, you know. Definitely. Um, and yeah. One thing I realized with doing this work, especially lately with the outreach and educating communities on what the drop-in centers are, educating the state on what a drop-in center is and entails, mm -hmm. you know, we built that guide and yeah. we're going to be adding some things on our website. Yeah, yeah. And to really be able to honor the people that are out there doing this work as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not easy running a drop-in center. That's for sure. It's um, it's very challenging because it's a, it's a very fluid environment. People are coming and going, in and out of the program. You know, when you're open, and and when I say in and out of the program, I don't mean by the week. I mean by the hour. You know, they're they're there and then they're gone and then they're there and they're gone and you know, and so <clears throat> it's a super fluid environment to work in. Some people find it challenging, but the freedom piece, the freedom to allow people to choose, that's the beauty in a drop-in center, that you, you, you choose to go to the drop-in center because you want to be well. And this becomes this symbol of a place I can go to be well, just like you were describing your experience. Maybe it's to hang out, maybe it's to go to a group, Maybe it's to do an activity. Maybe it's to meet one-on-one. -on -one. It can look like a lot of different things to each person, but the, the thing that binds it all together is it's all about wellness and recovery. And that, we give that's, them choice. Yeah, and they can choose it. I don't want to, tomorrow you're going on a bike ride. I don't want to go on a bike ride. It's going to rain or whatever. You know, it's too hot or whatever. You know, like you can choose to do that. <clears throat> and, and that's important because you're empowering the people and they get to make their own choice. And I think that's the beauty of the, the drop-in center in general, the concept of a drop-in center. And it can look so different in each community can make it look unique and um, they can do different activities. Those were just the things that, that I did, you know. Those are some really good ideas too. And they're really good. Uh, it was a really good reminder of, you know, the positive things that these drop-in centers can bring and gave me some ideas yeah. for when I'm meeting with the drop-in centers. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it can't be all, it can't be all, you know, support groups. It can't just be just a support group. You know, we, we used to do cooking classes. We do these, we do these cooking contests. So like, um, 
teaching people somebody somebody like anybody got a good lasagna recipe oh i love to make lasagna hey would you like to do a class and teach everybody how to make proper lasagna oh that'd be great well guess what when the lasagna is done in an hour we're going to all get to eat lasagna you know what i mean like so, yeah so we would do stuff like that and i remember doing uh we did a pizza one and um and there were like 25 people showed up with pizzas that day. Like, like we didn't have to go buy pizzas. It was like, okay, we're going to do a pizza thing. Who can make the best pizza? And then we'll vote, you know, like who gets the best, we make a little certificate, you know, and That's so everybody cool. makes pizzas, you know, and then everybody shows up for group. There's like a whole table. The table's gigantic. We got to get a second table because <laughs> there's so many pizzas, every flavor and combination. And, oh and, and the pizza thing, here was the funny thing about it. A dessert pizza one. Are you you're kidding a, me? A dessert pizza. Is it, yeah, did they get cooked? Pizza. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, the crust. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the crust. The crust was cookie dough. You know, the crust was oh, a cookie okay. dough. And like, that's who won. Like, a, you know, so <laughs> you, you build these bonds. People would make, they'd make a pie. We'd do a pie contest. You know, <clears throat> you're sitting around, you're doing your group, and you're eating together. You're building these bonds. And they're people from all different walks of life, you know, oh how, man, how did you make that pizza? It was so good, rhubarb pie. Oh, and then, hey, you wanna do a class next week? You can do a class on making rhubarb pie. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Cause you can go to the farmer's market and go buy rhubarb now, you know, it's in season. So it's that kind of thing, like helping people get some skills and <clears throat> learn how to interact with others in a healthy way. and healthy relationships and all that kind of stuff. So I always tried to make it kind of fun and do some things kind of out of the box because it gets dry. We were open six days a week. You can't do a support group six days a week and expect people to keep showing up all the time. You know, you got to mix same, it the with the same stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to mix it up. Old. Yeah, yeah. You got to mix it up and do do fun stuff. So anyway. Well, this has been a great conversation about drop-in centers. Yes. Yeah, yes, I, hope, I, I hope our listeners enjoy. Hope our listeners <laughs> you enjoyed. enjoyed it as much as we did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can talk about drop-in centers a lot because it it's just been a big part of my life and my work, you know, as a recovery advocate and as a peer supporter. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm thrilled. I'm glad the state's putting out more funding. So we'll have more drop-in centers in more towns. And, and then that goal of having, can we have drop-in centers, you know, on all the different tribal lands, you know, because um, I think that's an area that is underserved and that needs to be recognized and we need to help that in any way that, that we can, so. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, it's an honor to do this work and, and to see, you know, the support that we're giving, you know, we're meeting the drop-in centers where they're at in their communities on their journey yeah. and really being able to empower them. It's amazing to see the work that they're doing. Yeah, And that's what yeah. I was saying. Those meetings is yeah. you guys are out there doing the work, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you, Leah. Yes, th thank you. It's been nice yeah. to come on here like yeah. old times. Yeah, yeah. And thank you to the listener uh, out there. 
checking us out. Uh, we're available on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can also visit our website, Recovery Talks Podcast, each week from Montana's Peer Network. Thank you so much. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works, recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. <laughs> recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.